0: The following content is a live panel discussion taken from the Second World Tennis Conference in association with the Global Professional Tennis Coaches Association and the Seagal Institute, whose founder, Fernando Sigal moderated the discussion. If you missed any of the event, you can still sign up to watch exclusive presentations by the likes of Boris Becker, Janko Tipsarovic, Ivan Lubchich, Gilles Savara, Brad Gilbert, Tony Nadal and many others. Many more. Simply go to worldtennisconference.com
1: to subscribe. Two great leaders in technology and innovation is with us, Ben Leloup and Carlos Alum. Hi, Ben. Hi, Fernando. Uh, thank you to being with us. And Carlos, uh, good morning.
2: Thank you for the opportunity.
1: Our panel is part of the conference. And remember that you can do questions and our speaker can respond it. Uh, to introduce Ben, Ben Leloup is the Vice President of Player Analytics at the Golden Set Analytics. He heads a team of 12 data scientists and tennis analysts and using the services of uh, Golden Set uh, Analytics uh, with the services they won, uh, helping the players to win more than 14 Grand Slams and many tournaments. Is a top leadership on the industry and thank you for being with us ben um, and let's talk a little bit how we can help to grow our game
0: thank you fernando uh yeah thanks for the opportunity um so yeah so at golden set uh since the topic of this session is technology and how to use technology uh to improve the game uh we've been very active doing that in um, the high performance end right so top performing tennis players, how they can use technology, data to improve their game, um, both with regard to development, uh, obviously, because that's the building, uh, the foundation, as well as then uh, the scouting, the strategy uh, that you employ uh, with that foundation that you put to work in matches. Uh, So, um, and I think one of the interesting uh, challenges uh, that many of us are talking about is how to Foster those technologies those uh, insights from data science at the very top of the game and move that into broader segments to aspiring players, uh, players that don't have a large team, uh, or even very young players and their facilities. Uh, that they are active in and how to integrate um, those insights uh, from that very top level uh, and have it tr- trickle down um, uh, to other parts of the game and um, and to help develop the game, as you mentioned so nicely, Fernando. And so I think there's a number of aspects to this, and I think we are... Uh, kind of at the point where the entry point of uh, a new, interesting uh, phase in the development of tennis players and the game more generally. Um, And let me share a few slides uh, as to uh, what I have in mind here. So um, first of all, what we're gonna see now, um, we're gonna enter a new stage. Um, I'll show you something from something we have developed Uh, but that is being developed by many players in the industry. And um, so what we will have in a very short period of time, uh, I would say about two years at the most, right? So again, it will trickle down, right? It's being used now by companies like ours, uh, but it will be available more widely uh, in in the next couple of years. And this point is uh, computer vision, uh, automated tagging of matches using computer vision technologies. Uh, this is with the aid of artificial intelligence that trains the software, uh, software that really trains the system uh, to detect the movement of players, the ball, uh, the court. And this is very important because I think the first really big point to make is that uh, the reason data has been able to transform the top level of the game is because there uh, there's enough financial capital at work to... Um, to basically recoup the investments of data ingestion, right? So this is where it all starts in order to use technologies to analyze data, you need to have the data. And data ingestion is, you know, affordable for the top players in the game, right? Uh, We have, you know, we used to have a team of 12 coders that would watch matches and tag them manually. That's obviously not supportable for uh, even for federations Uh, You know, every young player, manual tagging of matches is just not cost effective. So that's the first obstacle that will be removed, right? We will be able to have data, lots of data of juniors, young people playing um, using new technologies that employ computer vision. And so, first of all, we will have data and it will be ingested in a way that is actually uh, doable. Right? So, uh, so we will be able to remove that cost obstacle. Now, the second innovation then that will happen, and I think this first line of the story is that data will be plentiful. If you look into the future, the next five years uh, we will arrive at a point where having data is no longer an issue. Now, tennis has been slower on that than other sports, uh, and one of the reasons is because, you know, Hawkeye doesn't release its data for free to everyone, right? Um, and, it's, and, and not all players have access to it. There's some costs involved. Uh, but this problem will be solved by really the markets and the, these technologies that have been developed in the wake of that. In other sports, they have coordinated. Teams have coordinated to collect data. Uh, but then in the lower levels, you have the same problem. Now, so we'll have data. The second step of innovation that is going to be crucial is then to analyze the data. And this is the second big part, right? Because the more data you have, the more intelligence you need to analyze it and find out the golden nuggets, right? Because that's the end product of all of this technology and data is that we get golden nuggets, right? We get little insights that can tell a coach, okay, you have to steer the player in this direction. This is gonna be helpful. And it all, you know, there's a mountain of data and process, but you end up with something simple, an action item that a coach can use, right? That the end result is very simple, but it starts very complex. So the cost element is removed. And then the second part really is, is, is not just processing the information, making sense of it, but also presenting it and so i think the second um, era of innovation really that's going to make a big difference is what we call the interface so you have data ingestion second part is the interface creating software that presents the insights that allows a coach to look at things and it's intuitive uh, they can pick what they want and they can present it to a player Right. And then it really becomes because we know all, we, all our conversations with coaches is if you can convince a player uh, with good visuals and so forth, that's half of the story. Right. Because the player needs to believe that what you're saying is, is, you know, is really the answer to some of the issues the player is dealing with. And so I think that's the second level of innovation. And here, uh, obviously, this is something that player development coaches have done for a long time. Uh, but I think what we'll see is kind of an integration of both sides. Uh, so both of this, um, you know, the high performance side with a lot of data, incorporating some of the best development, didactic skills and, 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 and visualizations. So I think and that's something we at Golden Set have done a lot, right, because we need to give something that a coach has time to look at. Uh, between two matches and then present to a player in an intuitive way. So I think we'll have some leading technologies that do this and that will be available to federations and coaches. And I think the last, the third innovation is going to be what we call predictive analysis. So using uh, benchmarking, right? So we will have this data ingestion. So now we know what the top 500 players do on tour because at Golden Set, we collected that for instance. But with this data ingestion for young players all over the world, right, where this is captured either through video or through iPhones on the court, we will have more data ever of players of all ages and all levels. And that's gonna make a big difference because that is going to be able to tell us, you know, if you are a division, if you are aspiring to say, go to a division one college, these are your key performance indicators. That's what we see in first year uh, college uh, students that get recruited first year into division one. This is division three. This is ranking 1,500. This is juniors title versus you know, top 30 in the juniors age 16. And so we'll be able to benchmark all those key performance parameters, You know, second serve return in percentage. Uh, aggressive serve returns from the ad side, win percentages, uh, depth of ball. So we'll have objective benchmarks of what the goals are if in light of your aspiration to say, get into a division one university, right? Or to become top junior in your country, right? And it can even go down, right? You could say, well, I wanna be UTR 10 instead of nine, right? or whatever your national system is. In the US, I wanna be a four or five. So we'll be able to benchmark and then use technologies to say, well, for you, this, and again, it's just a golden nugget. For you, this is what you need to work on. And so those are some of the uh, technologies. Now there's a lot of other extensions and I'll close off on this. I think other technologies that are going to make a difference is AR headsets. Um, So for instance, one application we have that we use for the pros is we measure their best serve, their trajectory of the ball, and from their matches, what are their aces. And so we are able to calculate that and then uh, tell a player, okay, your toss should be more to the left. But here is where the game the game changer is right as a coach you say more to the left right but is that really true the data can tell you yes more to the left but how do you actually visualize 10 centimeters to the left and this is where these headsets come in right you put that on you can see your optimal toss and contact points uh that's something we now have for the pros they can practice build muscle memory uh, we're going to see more uh, applications of that also for young players, you know, and it could be gamification too, right? Hit the ball there and you visualize something on the court. So that's also going to be something interesting where the aspirations could be translated in fun applications with technology. So just just a few introductory words.
1: Very interesting. Very, very good, Ben. It's a lot of, I have uh, like a five question immediately, but then let's, let's talk with uh, Carlos. Carlos. Uh, I want to introduce you, Carlos Alum is the CEO of Alum International. He is an international tennis leader focused on innovation and to develop uh, innovative new programs for companies, organizations, and leaders. Thank you, Carlos, to, uh, to be with us at the second edition of the World Tennis Conference.
2: And thank you for the opportunity to share these views that uh, we consider to be crucial for the growth of tennis, but uh, also uh, crucial for the performance of uh, high performance coaches and their players. And the first thing that I like to do is to define innovation, which uh, very simply can be said, it's about doing something new that creates value. And in some cases, most cases, uh, when it works, it generates revenue. And it's important to realize that it's a process in which we generate an idea, we select from other ideas, we test it and implement it. So it's not very different from what a coach does with a player day in and day out on a tennis court. But I would like to declare openly that innovation is strategy because if strategy is developing a unique position in the marketplace or uh, in tennis itself as an industry, it matters that I have a competitive advantage and that I can sustain it over time. So uh, high-performance coaches and players are also strategically developing their game to do that. Innovation increases the chance for us to react to changes and uh, new technologies and uh, pressures uh, that uh, come from even for, from the areas in the world where we play and different formats of tournaments uh, that could be coming up. So I still have a competitive advantage and uh, I build a better platform for my performance. So from that point of view, uh, for me, innovation is strategy. And uh, in the process of applying this to tennis, I go back to the question that Dr. Jim Lehrer asked himself and that uh, when we collaborated, in the establishment of uh, sports psychology as a strategic tool, innovative tool. He asked, why do some people, some players win and others don't? What do they do differently? Uh, what is their competitive advantage and how can we help those who do not uh, win in a sustainable way? So we diagnosed the pain in that sense. Uh, then thanks to video, slow motion cameras we could analyze what happened in between points, which gave birth to the concept of okay, there are four things that players do four stages that allow them to go from point to point uh, regaining their concentration and being very specific of what they do uh, on every point to win a match. So, they become mentally tough by adapting to pressure so uh, the four stages became the differentiation of the claims you know yes we can help so first with that you know the pain then we differentiate the claims then we deploy the change because it became a system it became an approach to train and we demonstrated the game so in innovation as coaches or product developers or service developers we have these four Ds, you know, diagnose the pain, differentiate the claims, deploy the change, demonstrate the gain and deploy the change, No, So uh, these four aspects uh, fit uh, many examples in tennis technologies from the uh, new rackets, uh, space age materials, uh, the color of the balls, the television has put a tremendous amount of pressure on making things more interesting, and uh, even Hawkeye, video replay, video analysis, like Ben mentioned, uh, all the data onslaught and the interpretation of the data become forces of innovation, innovations in themselves. So what do they mean to uh, the coach and also to the end user at the club? Uh, we're submerging a 4.2 trillion market. That is a wellness economy. There is competition for tennis within that. Uh, But gradually, thanks to the simultaneous evolution of sport technology, we find ourselves with new materials uh, that define how the game is played, how we train better. And these days we have a very specific framework uh, to do this because we have the wearables, the equipment that measures performance, uh, the activity, the data that Ben mentioned, the video analytics that impact directly coaching and and playing, uh, everything that helps with preparation, injury prevention. So is sport tech and health today? I would call it that the model is actually uh, health in motion, what we're dealing with, uh, ultimately. But there is also fan engagement. This is a huge area where most of the investment is going (laughs) worldwide. And uh, at the club level, the commercial level, we find ways of managing better, improving the experience of the customer, of the end user, anybody with a racket, and uh, also media production and how we engage through Uh, Social media has become essential, you know. A short-form video is now uh, one of the best ways to market yourself as a coach and develop a personal brand. So uh, essentially, uh, Ben mentioned the bigger areas, you know. We go back to what is really being seen on the court. We see uh, racket sensors, but they're not very good yet. the wearables, uh, anything on the wrist that can measure performance and can be, uh, the data can be obtained and analyzed. Uh, video analysis seems to be the strongest. I mean, uh, we have the case uh, of Kasper Rud in Norway uh, that thanks to our common friend, Oivin Sorval, Director of Education for the Norwegian team Federation, he was able to uh, do video tagging for decades and develop a top 10 player uh, from the onset with technology. That's a very specific case of how technology has impacted uh, player development which is now transferred to the entire system of uh, development of the Norwegian Federation. Uh, then we have the heart rate monitors, so anything that can be done with an accelerometer in an iPhone. But the questions that arise in the mind of the coaches as uh, tech specialists talk to them are does it work? Is the information valid and reliable? Is it simple enough? Can I understand it? Like Ben said, it's all moving now towards is it visually appealing? Can I see the data in a way that I can tell the player one or two things that he or she can understand and immediately can have an effect on the court? Does it have an impact on measurable results? Are we winning? through this? Is it cost effective? And when we go to, as Ben said, to the open market, because the beauty of this is how can we grow tennis as a whole, not just at the top? Does it drive revenue at the price point that I can, that can have a mass market appeal? So really the appeal is make it good, make it simple, make it understandable, make it visual first, and give data, deep data to those who need it and understand it. Because What's coming through this uh, famous approach of the metaverse and uh, fan engagement technologies is that there will be an immersive approach to experiencing sports uh, both from the sofa and with devices, AR, VR, artificial intelligence as well that If it helps the player play better because it impacts the neural pathways that help to train that player, that will be a tool. Otherwise, it will be entertainment. And we have to be able to discern that. uh, If the coach and the player are getting smarter, I think we're winning. If technology really enhances the experience of everybody who is immersed, even better. And if we reinvent the market, I think that's the ultimate win. So when we talk about, oh, sports is competing with them. No, it's not. We have to make it not an either or proposition. It should be a yes and, and understand that we are moving towards a digital world and we need to become knowledgeable. We need to be able to ask those questions. Does it work? Is it simple? What's the impact? Um, The investment is definitely going towards uh, these areas. Uh, The pandemic uh, did very little dent on sport tech investments. It keeps growing. Uh, The metaverse is a humongous impulse to this. So i give you two examples. uh, Fernando and I were working on a concept of digital tennis clubs. And uh, I am part of a project that is digital seats ownership. So imagine the US Open uh, replicated in the digital world and you can own a seat. And that seat gives you access to specific virtual experiences uh, with goggles, with their goggles, you know, uh, it might relate to uh, different other expressions of being in a stadium, uh, sometimes with tennis concerts (laughs) uh, and uh, different varieties of innovations. So I think all this is leading the high performance coach to become a better thinker, a more flexible, versatile, creative, and situational thinker that can uh, imagine, improve, so he can inspire and ignite change. Because I think the role is, uh, moving to a more specific one, we really need to be on top of the mountain and look from the mountain down to the valley As we're already there. And let me tell you, it's gonna be safe because we're testing this and because we're getting results, there are no scams that we will allow. Um, this is to generate more tennis citizens. If we see uh, tennis fans as citizens, and tennis as a real world that might have a replication online, I think uh, we multiply our power. So I leave it with three aspects. As a high-performance coach, what are the things I need to start doing? What are the things that I need to stop doing? And what am I doing now that works and I should continue doing? but it might involve technology. But more importantly, it might involve that I think differently as a breakthrough thinker.
1: Very good, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you, Barrett. A lot of insights, which is integrated what Ben was saying. Uh, We remember that uh, 1873, Mayor Winfield did the first patent. Next year will be 150 years ago from the first patent. And the innovation was for the mayor winfield to put it, everything in a box he didn't invent the racket he didn't invent the balls he didn't invent the net he put it, everything together in one box trying to everyone playing the game on the parks probably technology and what you are saying ben and you carlos and um, is the future of the next 50 years of tennis because we need to change our paradigms. We need to bring new ideas to our work game in many different areas. Like you say, Carlos, clubs, academies, fine engagement, high performance, how we create a downfall concept from the top where Ben is working with the best players in the world from normal coaches, National Federation. And let me ask you, Ben. How far we are, if you compare, because you know a lot about what happened in the sport industry. How far is tennis if you compare with other sports about to use technology and to use data and to apply on the real world of the sport?
0: Well, I would say um, at least at the top of the game, uh, it has been behind Um, uh, and it is catching up. Uh, but definitely on the organizational, institutionalized level, it is way behind. And there's a reason for that. It's because tennis as a the professional tennis game is very decentralized, right? So you have ATP, you have WTA, you have ITF, you have the slams that are separate. And so you have all these different tournaments. And so there's not a lot of unity in terms of like, for instance, in NBA, you have and a lot of soccer leagues, right? And football, they have a bunch of team owners, and they decide, well, we're, this analytics is good for us, so they put the resources and they share that information. And so tennis has this bit of a, um, you know, a bit of an institutional uh, issue there. So on the pro side, it's been slower, and most of the leading role, the leading role, has been taken by. Tennis, a few tennis players that hired uh, companies like ours. Um, and then on a very general level, you have investments by Infosys and SAP. So way behind other sports. Now on the level below that, say on the club, junior academy level, I actually do not think that it's that other sports are necessarily uh, ahead of it. Uh, that's not what I've seen. Um, that's moving fast in all sports now and I think that is because from the bottom you know a lot of the development comes from the people that are on the court that are engaged and passionate like all the coaches that are watching these sessions here they're invested and they all do the very best they can with the technology that's available and there's no reason to believe that tennis coaches are not any less passionate than the soccer coaches and so forth. So I think all of this is growing, but as Carlos mentioned, the challenge is, is it cost-effective, right? And so it's the technology that needs to make these things more convenient, right? And, and the technology is affecting all sports at the same time, right? So the computer vision system that I showed that for tennis, it's actually a little harder than for soccer, right? Because we've developed it, right? And one of our investors wants to have it for soccer and we're actually seeing it's much easier. So there are some differences across the sports, but in general, I wouldn't say we're behind. And what's going to happen is that, you know, and I want to go back to some of the interesting points Carlos raised, right? So he said, okay, is it going to be worthwhile right so you know first of all is it does it work yes it can work right we know it works on the pro level uh, so there's no reason and the coaches on the pro level are no different than the good coaches at at other level right we know that Uh, if you're passionate and study tennis day in day out uh, you will be able to under you know make use of these interfaces now is it cost effective right is a really important question and I think, because the, you know sometimes the economies in some sports are bigger than in others, right? College teams have more resources than say some clubs, tennis clubs, right? So um, this is where the technology has a big effect because technology becomes, it's processing power goes up, it advances, there's Moore's law. And things that were really expensive in the past become really cheap in the future, right? And so it will become a lot less expensive to gather information and use it. Now, why would coaches wanna do that? Well, it's very simple. It's going to make their work more cost-effective in time. right? Now a coach needs to watch 12 videos to answer a question right? For instance, about does my player have more of a problem returning deep second ad returns that go wide, right? Like that's an empirical question, right? You might have an intuition, but then you have to take the time to watch all those shots, right? So what the technology does, it gives you all those shots and it gives you the number behind those shots. So if you are a very engaged coach, you are spending 12 hours to answer some questions. Now, most of most coaches might not have that time, right? But the technology will give it to you in 30 minutes, what we used to be 12 hours. So um, this makes sense in all sports to be time efficient, to answer empirical questions correctly and quickly, right? Because that's in essence, one of the things you're doing, you're finding out whether your intuitions are correct, right? And if the technology makes it easy to do that, you will actually you know, go beyond intuition, Um, Does that work? Yes, we know, and so Carlos asked a great question, does it work, right? In terms of the impact it has. That is also an empirical question. And from the top level, I can tell you with absolute scientific social science certainty that it does work because we have measured the impact of analytics on all the players that use it. And how do you measure that? Well, you look at their anticipated success in forthcoming matches. Right. How do you measure their chances of winning? Well, the odd makers are very good at that, right? So you look at the odds in, say, the first 30 matches that someone is using these technologies and data analytics, right, before they use it and after they use it. And what you see is there's a statistical improvement of their game over what was expected if they had not used it now after 30 matches obviously their odds of winning goes up because that information indirectly is in the predictions then right so it works on the pro game and i think there's no reason to believe it wouldn't work at a lower level right because you just your information is more solid when you put together the development plan the strategies the tactical analysis and so to go back to your question, Fernando, um, there's no reason to say that tennis is different. We all want better answers and we all, the best coaches want to make sure that they guide their, their student in the same uh, direction, right? In the right direction, right? Uh, you know, you care with your heart and soul that your student, your tennis student will do better. And that's the same in most sports. And the technologies are affecting all those sports in a similar way. So I think the good news is that actually, even though we've been slower on the pro front, on the lower level, I think we're gonna rise with the tide across the sports. So that's my take on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Are, like I said before, there are a lot of questions which is coming in, but I, I'm gonna do another one for Ben and then for Carlos. Uh, talking about that, Ben, It means that we, in some way, this is the conference for, from coaches to coaches, no? This is the first one talking about high performance, which means we have to ensure the next generation are better developed, let's say, from the early ages to having that data information. Mm -hmm. It means like uh, happening in Tennis Australia, they, they, they build up a tennis innovation department, federation and academies, they have to put over the table that they have to integrate, let's say innovation, technology, whatever, no? Department. And secondly, a part of the, of the, of the question or uh, to, to know your thoughts about it, probably also we need to change how we are preparing the coaches for the future. Because even when we are preparing the coaches, we are not taking the technology. And from a point of view, the technology is a bridge. The more important is how we use the concept of innovation. Because every guy, if you see the story of the top, uh, top coaches in the history of tennis, Harry Hellman was an innovator, uh, uh, yeah. Boletieri was an innovator, uh, Dennis Vandermeer, one a Big Brain, was an innovator, were guys which they try to find something different to create change to create transformation. Of course, I'm talking about some famous one, but there are a lot of different guys which you use in the experience, they bring data and change something. My question is, do the federations and academies has to create a technology innovation department and start to bring information on that area systematically first? And secondly, how will prepare the coaches for the future? Yeah, great question. So um, we've
0: worked with some federations. So I've seen a bit on the inside and player development, but obviously there's a lot of difference across different federations. Now, here's my take on federations. Um, I think federations do have a very important, positive role to play in terms of player development. And let me say uh, why I act. and, And so an important point is I think federations in tennis are more important than federations and many other sports, right. Why? Well, because in tennis, as opposed to many other sports, right? Uh, tennis is an individual sport and the player is the boss, right? In many cases, the parents of the player, right? When they're young. And that creates a bit of an issue for a lot of coaches, right? Because you're the person you're trying to Uh, that you're training and trying to give instructions to is your employer right and so what we see often even at the top level it's sometimes hard for a coach to convince the player we should do this we should invest in this right and so having a federation that provides some of these resources to coaches without the coach having to go to the players and say, can, can we buy this and can we get a license on this technology? It's gonna really help us, right? Not only you avoid that whole awkward conversation of, yes, I'm your coach, but I need this as well to do my job. That disappears if the Federation provides those resources to those young players who are cash trapped anyway, right? And so in the marketplace, That market is actually not that interesting for companies because the players are pretty cash strapped, they're growing, right? And the coaches who really know how valuable it is, they have to convince their own player to invest in it. So it's actually a very difficult marketplace, and that's why there's underdevelopment there, right? In golf, it's easier because the golf players are very rich, right? And uh, so um, in general, they're very wealthy. And and, and Um, They have another culture, no? Yeah, and so federations can help that and they can act and see here's the difference, right? The analogy that I sometimes see is that a good federation is kind of like a football or soccer team, right? It's the management of the team and all the players in the federation Mm -hmm. are the players on the team and you can all make them better if you consider your country as a team, right? And so that way you, and I see that a little bit, right? So Australian players statistically do better than some players from other countries, right? And so, and they conceive it as a competition, right? Australian players versus French players, right? And so very important role. Now, I do think that when you look at federations They should focus on the player development. Young players making them better. Once they become professional players, top 200 in the world, don't bother. Like I see examples, things they do for players that are top 30. It's not as good as what is available on the market. Things that companies like us do. Why waste your money on that? This player can their own services on the market and they will be much better because you need your resources not spread out everywhere focus on development so yes a, a very uh, warm and loud yes to that federation should
1: Absolutely. take the lead and what about the coaches how will we prepare the next generation for the next 50 years well the coaches coaches obviously
0: the federations uh there's a lot of training um there's a lot of back and forth right so coaches can say this is what works for us how can we create this technology so as carlos said so that it's actually uh simple right intuitive so that what they do doesn't actually change right so you know in a way, coaches are not asked to change anything that they've been doing before in a radical way, right? They're just making it better, more higher accuracy of what they're doing already by having everything out there. Like even Lendl describes analytics very clearly. Like I used to watch uh, for eight hours to ask a simple question, answer a simple question. Now I get it right in front of me and I can check it in 30 minutes instead of any hours, right? Um, visualization, right? How many coaches are not spending hours trying to get clips and then and creating clips to show a player? You know, the federations will provide those tools so that it's easy and quick to do that. And obviously, there's a bit of training involved, but that's just like learning how to drive a car, right? It's not Uh, you know an alien new concept to you you're just getting some of the mechanics down so but yeah coaches and it's a two-way dynamic right the the the
1: technology suppliers they learn from the coaches as well yeah absolutely the federation has to be the factor you know producing a higher level of a standard of players and then Mm -hmm. everyone is different Mm -hmm. everyone has to create their own pathway carlos Talking about, because you did your uh, work with uh, Jack Roper, Jim Lear, and also you did something uh, working with uh, Dennis Van der Meer, in the mm-hmm. early ages, uh, working with him. Uh, they were innovators, they are innovators. Well, unfortunately, Dennis is not more with us, but anyway, his uh, thoughts and spirit is with us. Uh, let me ask you, what about how to prepare the next generation of coaches You know, how to prepare in terms of innovation, how to use technology, how to apply, how we need to change our programs to develop the future coaches um, to face these changes. No,
2: I think that uh, particularly Dennis, Vandermeer and Big Braden were facing at the time a tennis boom. And... They were very curious personally. They asked questions. They went to people like Ben, (laughs) at that time, uh, biomechanics experts, uh, video analysts that had stroboscopic uh, film, to answer the question, how can I teach better and cheaper? Because there were thousands of people coming to their clinics after watching matches on TV, now in color. Uh, becoming fanatics, but one had to be very efficient in the use of real estate. Uh, So how can I teach groups better? So the process that they applied first was curiosity. (laughs) There was a question, you know, I need to solve an issue for my clients, (laughs) but also socialize them because as they are taking the clinic and after they leave, they need to remain hooked up. Uh, among themselves and within their communities, so that led to certifying coaches, who became missionaries of uh, you know evangelizing tennis further, but cementing their communities. However, this type of uh, is not an insult, but it's truly a, a McDonald's approach because it had to be systematic, from lake. It had to be a recipe that could be taught within days to these coaches, not too expensive. So they could, the coaches could also be excited about changing careers. I'm, I've certified heart surgeons and neurosurgeons, <laughs> uh, Wall Street people that said, I'd rather be a tennis coach because my life is uh, chaos. Uh, I don't like the lawsuits, etc." cetera. Uh, how could they teach faster? was the solution but unfortunately it has remained formulaic for a very long time with this promise of if you pay 199 you can become a tennis coach and then yes there is a pathway but it's this simple it lacks depth and i think modern tennis and technology is forcing the coach to think differently to think in a creative way in a breakthrough way to think like an innovator to benefit the player, to grow the business, to latch onto emerging technology and its acceleration, and to be able to translate the results that that technology provides. So I think that uh, we have the opportunity to uh, invite uh, the coach of the future to uh, become a better thinker, we can guide that process, we can provide the tools, and we can make technology perfectly understandable and practical uh, as if it would be a second racket that they have in their non-dominant hand. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to change the world. Because really, when I mentioned the word citizens, I mean, tennis changed my life. I think we can share that. (laughs) Uh, We all have that imprint uh, somehow. And we can change lives. Uh, a high performance coach is a leader, is a thought leader as well. Because by developing a champion that, uh, in the case of Feather, a small country, uh, same as Casper Root, now is inspiring millions, you know, are they going to have achievement, fulfillment, find meaning, and be part of the legacy? The bottom line is in this conference we're creating a better legacy from coach to coach, but those coaches have to create a better legacy also from parent to child. That's how tennis grows. So I think the the mission is clear. I think we have all the tools.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let, Let me say something for the attendees. Remember that the Second World Tennis Conference purpose uh, leading by the GPTCA, the SI and supported by the ATP is to create growing tennis. You can change your day by day, having the presentation of 63 speakers and 24 more speakers in the panels. All top specialists, all top coaches are bringing the information for you. You have to apply in an everyday process you can use. You can stop because you can watch all the presentation for 35 days you can stop the presentation take notes reply be back again do it again because what we want is to support your grow. we the, is the way that create growth and also remember you're going to receive with your diploma this book which is the workbook with the 63 speaker top 10 recommendations this is only Precisely like the name, it's a work book. It's only a guide to inspire you to keep growing, to keep developing tennis. And if you can change 1% per day, you're going to transform millions of lives. That's why it's very important that you can catch the message. In this case, of Ben on of Carlos, but we have 80 speakers, top ones. Never happened in tennis. The most of the best one are here to share the information with you, but you have to apply it, okay? That's the key. A Couple of questions more. We have uh, some minutes to go. If someone wants to do a question of uh, the attendees, we will uh, welcome the the question, but anyway, going to, to Ben. How you work, Ben, you know, of course, you know how to do it, but I want to ask to the people can understand that. How do you do it in a simple way, all the data, you know, to talk with coaches and players that they, they can uh, put it in place on the future uh, pathway of, of, of their games? No? How do you put it? Because sometimes when the people think about the data, it's like a lot of information, it's like a big mm-hmm. monster, you know. Uh, how do you do it?
0: Yeah. And yeah, so I think initially, what we did, I mean, we started in 2012. Um, Tommy Haas was the first kind of big player we uh, worked for, uh, and he had amazing results, uh, you know, at a very late stage of his career, beating Novak and so forth. And with him, I mean, we had visualizations early on of patterns, so that's very crucial. So visuals with arrows that would say, um, you know, uh, this, you know, I remember he had a match against Almagro, uh, what is is one of the first matches we provided Intel on. And we said, uh Almagro on second ad break points, 100% add Y to your backhand, 100%. You know, we have looked at 40 matches and we have about... 35, you know, it takes 40 matches to get 35 ad breakpoint serves on. Um, and so, and all of them were wide. So this is a pattern, no variation across matches. And certainly you as a one-handed backhand, right? That's what you're going to get. Yeah. And he ended up, and so he ended up winning that match on a tie break on an ad point where he knew where it was. And even said on ESPN, he knew where that was going. Right now, we visualize that with, uh, you know, with a graph with an arrow. Um, but since then, we've moved beyond that to also incorporate video, right, and even biomechanics to make it intuitive, you know, you know, this player, the running backhand is worse, right. And you can, you could I mean, you can describe that in, in words, but that's not good enough. Right. The next step up is visualize it, right? show it on a court and the step Another step is to actually show it on video with biomechanics often to explain. So Diminar uh, has trouble trouble when you take time away on his running backhand, right? I can write that down. Then I can make an image of that showing how much of errors and where they are. And a step from that then is video that shows it happening. And then the final step is say, look, as uh, a screenshot, okay, look, see, look at this backhand. He just is the prep, is the pronation. Is taking time away. And so this is what creates the problem with video and a photo. And I think then it's, I think, I think Carlos, I'll let you chime in on this, but I think that's pretty intuitive, right? That's what you want to do anyway. And so we've only done what already exists. And but it starts with tables, right? But the tables is what we call how the sausages are made. No one wants Mm -hmm. to see how the sausages are made, you know. Uh, leave that to us, Um, and and at some point, and I say us, but that's where it starts, right, and the output that's produced, right, is the visualization uh, with video, and that can be automated too, to a large extent, we automate that, so it's not subjective, it's not manual labor, um, but yeah, so you try to go with what's worked for decades, right? That's how you present it. And that's our view of the best practices. But, um, but Carlos has a lot of experience with this as well. So I'm curious um, on his viewpoint on this too.
2: Yeah. Yes, that's exactly how I experienced working, especially with uh, Dennis Vandermeer. I discovered the trove of research that he had in one room that mm. no one had ever seen. First of mm. all, I catalogued it and put it in order. And it was fascinating because in conversations with him, you know you could discuss angles and mm. links, how they move. but on the court, he wouldn't mm. say any of that. He would tell people, "Do like me yeah. or do like this or look. Mm. <laughs> A ball with Mickey Mouse <laughs> on its face hit Mickey on the ear, you know, that slice, you know, yeah. <laughs> clock face. Yeah. So pedagogy, didactic, yeah. instant, yeah. you know, yeah. is the key because uh, yeah. we yeah. respond to patterns under yeah. pressure during the point. So we really need yeah. to work on those pathways and those patterns to to cement the the gesture and getting in action. So within that, I think uh, we cannot make a mistake because really the the final question that crowns all this is, is it fun to learn? You Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) today, the big discussion that baffles me, uh, the the modern tennis coaches, the current tennis coaches that didn't have the privilege like I had, you know, to to live all this, for example they're saying, okay, do you have to learn to play or you have to play to learn? I mean, play to learn forever, you know? But that's the art of investing the technology in the
1: action, no? Yeah. That's why technology can help us to, yeah. be, to have more attractive our yeah. game for the new generations. Yeah. Ben, Carlos, we can talk by hours, but the panel is over. Thank you very much, and uh, more in this kind of, uh, you know, information. But thank you, Ben, for all the things that you are doing for tennis, and more you're going to do for tennis, same to you, Carlos, and uh, you. see you soon. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks to you for thank the you. same
0: reasons, Fernando.